You're listening to Bodyful, a podcast that explores the wonder and complexities of living in this human form and how we can engage in an ongoing practice of bodyfulness to become more fully at home in ourselves and in the interconnected web of Gaia, the living earth. I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and I'm the founder of the Gaia Center for Embodied Healing, where we support folks in their growth and healing work with somatic psychotherapy and embodiment practices. We hear all the time about the importance of being mindful, and it's time to invite our bodies to the party. Welcome to Bodyful. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I have some big news to share in a minute, but before I get into that, let me just say that this conversation with our guest, Mary Reynolds Thompson, is probably one of my favorite podcast conversations I've had ever in years of podcasting, so you're really in for a treat with this one. It is definitely geared more toward women, but also anyone who is curious about what it's like to be a woman in this world. And when I say women, of course, I mean any um, woman-identified person. So we'll get into introducing Mary in a moment, but the news that I wanted to share is that this this is the second to last episode of Bodyful. And the episodes will not be going anywhere. They will stay on this feed. But as always, I am continuing to evolve in my own passions and projects. And that includes streamlining back down to one podcast. And that podcast will be Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. Yay! So uh, if you follow me on social, you may have seen that account pop up recently. I have so many ideas and so I'm trying to slow my roll and get these last episodes put up because they are wonderful, wonderful conversations that I don't want to be missed um, before Bodyful evolves. So let's get into the interview and I will share another little teaser on the feed soon to just give a bit more info on what to expect with the new iteration of the podcast. Mary Reynolds Thompson is an award-winning author, internationally recognized speaker, and a facilitator of poetry therapy. A pioneer in the spiritual ecology movement, her focus is on the transformative power of landscape archetypes and nature metaphors to reveal our true purpose and right relationship with the planet. Author of A Wild Soul Woman and Reclaiming the Wild Soul, a 2015 Nautilus Award winner, Mary's writings have also appeared in numerous other publications and anthologies. Through her books, courses, and talks, she reaches creative changemakers and seekers who long to awaken to their most courageous and earth-centered selves and have the impact they desire. To learn more about Mary, visit maryreynoldsthompson.com, and you can also find her on Instagram at wildsoulwriter. And she does have a couple of an online workshop and an in-person retreat in the UK coming up. If you are listening to this in late 2022, those are coming up early next year. Um, And if you're listening to it from the future, I'm sure she has wonderful uh, additional offerings. So check out her website and let's get into the conversation with Mary Reynolds Thompson.
Mary, I am so excited to be here with you this morning. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's wonderful to be here with you too. Yes. And as we can hear in your lovely accent, you're originally from the UK, but you are now in California, correct? That's right. We're in County. Oh, such a beautiful place. It is. So before we jump in, let's start with just presencing ourselves, dropping in. So for you, for anyone listening, if you're in a place where it's safe to do so, you can let your eyes close or soften your gaze and just settle into your seat, whatever is supporting you, perhaps your feet. Noticing the feeling of the breath breathing itself. And especially for this conversation, let us remember here in this moment that we are animals. This feeling into your own animal body, maybe noticing some warmth in places or cool where the air meets your skin. These bodies that are part of the earth, nourished by the earth, breathing with the earth. And all of our complexities, our stories, our history, our preferences, our beliefs that we carry also live within these animal bodies. So all is welcome. It is all a part of that the one energy life source. And we will celebrate that today through this conversation. So let's just take a couple more full breaths. And coming back into the space. And Mary, I always am so curious to know from my guests, what did you notice in that dropping in? Just a deepening, a grounding, a coming fully present here in this moment. And, you know, a vision sort of came to me, which was this sense of oftentimes when we are praising or feeling that glorious sense of that connection to the natural world, we'll put up our hands out, palms out, as if, the most sensitive parts of our body are trying to reach for and receive the breath of wind, the cool air, the sensations around us. So we kind of put our hands up and out and we just feel, you know, even if you move your hands like this, we do this, people praise in church mm. this way too, as if receiving spirit. Um 
And, and this was just pointed out to me most particularly in something I listened to the other day, that this is often how we praise, but it's a way really of saying that we are opening our whole bodies mm -hmm. and our whole being to being in conversation with the earth. Beautiful. Yeah. And there's something very animalistic about that too. Like you think of athletes crossing the finish line, they have their arms raised, hands open, right? Just Ooh. praising the moment. Yes, yes, indeed. Mm. So one thing I just have to mention up, up top that I got a kick of as I was preparing for our conversation, I was looking in the podcast app for other podcasts that you've done. And I found a lovely one that I'll link to in the show notes. But I also came across several that I was like, related topic. Don't know if it's the same person, this Mary Reynolds, <laughs> who is Irish. And I then realized these are two different people who are on semi-related paths that she's an Irish gardener, author, environmentalist. And then I had this whole story in my head of, are they friends? Have they met? Are they enemies? Because they... <laughs> Uh, have you come I, across this other Mary Reynolds? Do you know, I have to tell you a very brief, funny story yes. about this. I got sent from a woman in Ireland, the most beautiful book that she had created, having come across my previous book, Reclaiming the Wild Soul, which is also about earth archetypes. But she told me that she had been to a conference with this Mary Reynolds, and my book had been part of the conference library and she thought ah that's another book by by mary reynolds the, that irish, I didn't mary know. Reynolds. the, the irish mary <laughs> reynolds and apparently we have a very similar look so she looked at the photograph in the back she, oh that's woman and she said ah she said you know i never never thought about it but she said i started reading your book and i thought well that doesn't sound like mary reynolds she said but i really <laughs> like it anyway and then as a result of that you know these archetypes that I work with got ignited in her and she sent me this glorious book so I am very privileged to be mistaken sometimes for the great <laughs> Mary Reynolds yes and hopefully you'll have occasion to meet sometime and we will we will <laughs> yes so you this Mary Reynolds Thompson you're a pioneer in the field of spiritual ecology and I just oh phrases like that just light me up and and deep ecology, eco-psychology, all of these kind of overlapping concepts. I would love to hear how you define spiritual ecology. Yeah, I, I think spiritual ecology really means the understanding that we are part of, I mean, we actually are simply the body of the earth in human mm -hmm. form, and that our spirituality, our consciousness, even our conception of the divine comes from the fact that we emerged out of this exquisite Gaia planet during the Cenozoic period is when we came into the self-reflective consciousness where life was burgeoning. Mm. So when I talk about spiritual ecology or eco-psychology or any of these things, it's really saying we cannot even begin to understand any aspect of who we are until we acknowledge how deeply embedded we are, how deeply we are part of, made of the same matter as this amazing earth and cosmos that we originated out of. Yes. 
At one point in your writing, you say, I believe if we are to rewild the world, it has to begin by rewilding our own souls. So it's reciprocal. We have to understand both. And I want to share this bit from your your bio on your website, because first of all, it's an excellent example of just what it feels like to blend the natural world and our writing, which is a big part of your work, um, and also just gets into how you got here. So you say, my own wild soul was awakened as a very young girl. During the holidays, I ran free in the hills above Positano in southern Italy. I slept in caves, went out with the fishermen at night to catch squid, and rode a pig called Romana, Romana over dusty trails. Since then, I've roamed the farthest reaches of the planet, from the heights of the Himalayas to the tip of Tierra del Fuego, deepening my connection to the sacred earth. This connection has become key to my 30 plus years successful recovery from alcoholism and grounds me in an understanding of how we can all awaken from the addictive trance of the modern world. So it, you've perhaps always been in touch with your own wildness, but your first career was more in marketing and you struggled with this trance of alcoholism. What was it or what was the process of that catalyzed your transition into this being the core of the work that you do? So, yes, you know, that wild child was awakened in me very young, but like so many of us, it sort of got put aside. And then I followed the path of what I call the shadow wild, which is oh. addiction. And it's when we want to feel alive, you know, that's so much of what we're here for is to feel that deep alive connection to the creativity and juice that sort of flows through us but if we can't find it in the world we find it through sex shopping drugs alcohol yeah. you know even self-importance I mean all kinds of things can become deeply addictive because we want to feel part of this living breathing planet so I went on that journey and then moved to America ended up in the San Francisco Bay Area and there was this bound tension between the beauty of this place and the darkness inside of me mm. and one way or another I was going to snap I was either going to kill myself or go completely insane or I was going to follow the beauty and thank goodness mm. almost 40 years now actually I've been able to follow the beauty and I had a moment, a, a real, I didn't see it then as a mystical moment or even as an epiphany particularly, but it was. I was one week sober standing on a stormy day on the bluffs above the Pacific Ocean, which was roiling below me, crashing against the rocks. And I was in complete turmoil inside going, how was I going to, you know, I was shaking, I was sweating, I was detoxing from alcohol, wondering how I was ever going to live without drinking. And I thought I'm a total mess. And then I looked at this ocean and went, well, it's all wild and churning, but it's really, really strong. And I felt this or, or tasted the sense of, of, salty water in my mouth and I thought it could have been the ocean spray or it could have been my tears and I didn't know and I felt completely at one 
with that body of water. And I thought I'm going to be okay because I'm really strong too. I'm a part of this and I'm really strong too. And that thought just permeated my being and led me really to a life that I could not have imagined at that point. And part of that was the study of poetry therapy, which led me to the work of the wild soul, because trying to keep this a little short, <laughs> is I began to study the nature poets, Joy Harjo, Wendell Berry, mm. William Stafford, Linda Hogan, so many exquisite poets, Gary Snyder, Mary Oliver. And while their focus was on the outer world, it always brought you to the inner world. And so that dance between inner and outer nature, which I began to see as just one true nature, began to be the focus of my attention and my calling. And I really began this journey of recovery through poetry, through nature connection, and through this process of healthy rewilding. So I got to feel the way that I did when I first began to drink, because you wouldn't be addicted if it didn't work at the beginning. Of course. You know, it it frees you from the cage for a short while before it locks you back in and practically throws away the key. Mm. So I began to feel that sense of connection, aliveness, meaning, all kinds of things that I was yearning for through this deep connection and through this dance between nature and nature and my nature and nature. Thank you so much for sharing that part of your story. It's that image of you just on the cliff is mm -hmm. so powerful and the inner and outer becoming one. I think about the books that have become so popular in this arena, the women who run with the wolves and connecting to our own wildness and even Untamed by Glennon Doyle is so popular and it's a wonderful book, but really other than this one metaphor of the cheetah, there's not much about the natural world in there. So it's much more just inner world and looking at the conditioning. But that's one thing I think is so beautiful about the way that you approach this work is weaving the two together because they are already woven together, but we forget we forget over and over again because of our conditioning, because we are certainly taught to view ourselves more as machine than animal, right? So absolutely share the dedication of your new book, which is A Wild Soul Woman, Five Earth Archetypes to Unleash Your Full Feminine Power. And the dedication is for all the courageous women who are throwing off their shames and chains for love of self and earth. I dedicate this book to you. Together, we can change the world. That just like yeah. lit me up inside. <laughs> so I would love to know, what was it that drew you to explore womanhood in this way through this new book at this time in history where the social construct of gender is being deconstructed and we're recognizing more of the fluidity and non-binary nature of gender? Yes, this book really sprung out of being asked by an eco-fem organization, nonprofit Tree Sisters, to teach a course based on my five earth archetypes. And I'm just going to name them now. 
just so people know what the hell, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so they're the deserts, the forests, the oceans and rivers, the mountains and the grasslands. And I had written about them in my book, Reclaiming the Wild Soul. But now there was this invitation to teach these archetypes to women. So I always knew that we women biologically are very interwoven with the rhythms and cycles of the earth through our menstrual cycles. You know, when we become impregnated, our bellies fill with ancient seas of amniotic fluid. Breast milk pours out of our body. So we are very, very braided into the earth cycles, but how would these landscapes be experienced differently? Mm. And one of the things that I think it's important to remember, because I believe deeply in the gender fluidity, in being completely at peace with whatever is true for us and our bodies and our desires and all of these things. But through that, I don't want to collapse everybody's experience into one experience. We know men and women have different experiences. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that the work of women isn't done yet. And I open that invitation to anybody who's interested in the wild feminine. But women all over the world are still in a position where we are underpaid, undervalued. Our bodies are legislated. We see what's going on in Iran at the moment of women so courageously rising up for the right not to have to cover every part of their bodies. So to deny us that is also not right. We women have not yet done our work to rise into our fullness yet. There is still more work to be done. So this book is written for women or people who identify as women. And what I found was this core wounding as I began to teach this course, came back to this sense that we as women have so much more to give, that our way of knowing and experience the world is totally invalidated in our culture. And that whenever we try and emerge into our fullness, we hit this sort of cement of patriarchy that is this thin veneer of cement that stops us springing forth and we have to do that work of literally healing those wounds and we cannot heal the wounds and this is the deep thing within the environment the culture the structure that inflicted the wounds Mm. So for a woman to try and heal the wounds of patriarchy within the patriarchal system is just so damn difficult. But when we go to the earth system and we go to these great earth archetypes, we remove ourselves from that man-made realm into this deeply ancient, wise, ancestral wild realm where we can begin to reclaim again 
our true nature and our deepest authenticity. Yes, absolutely. Mic drop. (laughs) And we know that patriarchy harms everyone, Mm -hmm. including all humans of all genders and all beings, all landscapes, right? All, all aspects of the earth. Um, you know, you talk about how society sees the earth as this inexhaustible resource. Similarly, how patriarchy views women often as the human givers and as the philosopher Kate Mann named and then was popularized in the book Burnout recently by Emily and Amelia Nagoski, they talk about the human giver syndrome and how that is this very dark uh, result of patriarchy. And it's causing us to exhaust ourselves and exhaust the earth that is our larger body. So all of that and what you said about not collapsing into just one sort of flat unified experience because we see how well that works with race, right? Like the idea of colorblindness. Well, we're all human, right? We all are impacted by this system negatively, but some of us are are more oppressed by it, right? And women have been more oppressed by this system. And so therefore the work of reconnecting with the earth as the way out of that And I wonder, and this is such a large question, but just what comes up for this now, what are the the access routes that you found can really reach people as far as breaking through that veil of business as usual, the earth is just resources to be used. I just have to be a woman who does all the things all the time for everybody else. How do we break through that and stop using up ourselves and the earth? It is a big question, (laughs) (laughs) but I love big questions. So, so I think I want to kind of shift Mm. my answer to, to talking about language, metaphor Mm. and archetype. You know, we talk a lot. We've never had a world with more words spewing all over the place. Right. (laughs) But there is a language that is somatic that really springs from the body. So when we begin to work with metaphor and archetype, we are beginning to rearrange, you know, our beings at a deep cellular level. The wonderful Jungian Marian Woodman talks about how if metaphor has 10,000 volts of energy, an archetype has 100,000 volts of energy. So once you begin to awaken to these archetypes, they begin to work on you. They, they, they're roused. They're like these giants that are roused inside of you. And suddenly, if you think you were talking about burnout and you suddenly think about, oh, I'm desert woman. I am dry. I am parched. I am thirsty, I am depleted, Mm. but if I go very quiet, if I step into that stillness and silence, I can also see there is a lot of life here. So let me pay attention to that, but let me also realize that I don't have infinite resources that I have to step carefully. I have to, like the saguaro cactus, perhaps protect myself with some really spiky thorns so that people don't come picking at me all the time. 
So when you begin to take that conversation into the metaphoric, you're not only connecting with the landscapes, but you're connecting to the landscapes as they live within you. And it's oftentimes gives us a way of speaking about things that we haven't been able to name. And I will say that being and having many friends and colleagues who work in the environmental movement, burnout is just a major problem. Mm-hmm. You know, many of us for decades have been railing against the machine and, and we're exhausted. And one of the key things I think we have to remember is if we truly get that we are the body of the earth in human form, how we treat our bodies matters. Because if we are burning ourselves out, if we are pushing ourselves beyond our limits, if we're just kind of shoving in the rubbish just to get by, all of the things that we know, I mean, you know, guilty of, then we are treating an aspect of the earth brutally. Mm-hmm. And how, if we carry that energy, are we not going to perpetrate that energy, even when we think we're doing good for the earth? It has to be the shift of energy that if you treat yourself badly, then you have to acknowledge you're treating the earth badly. Yeah. And then, of course, any of your activism, your efforts to stand up for the earth are not going to be as effective as they could be, even if you were to put half the time (laughs) into them. Right, right. And this is also, together, we are going to change the world. Yes. You, me, the people listening, as individuals, we do our bit, but we can't, nothing about this can be done alone. We need to do it in connection to listening to the earth, listening to each other, holding each other's hands, holding each other up, because this has to be a full-on Gaian collective effort, right? Yes, absolutely. Also, I just have to say, I love when I talk with people that I don't have to spell and define the word Gaia because the name of my therapy practice is the Gaia Center here in the South. People are like, Gia, I don't get it. (laughs) Yes. So you gave us a little bit of a preview into the desert woman. And I would love to just hear a little bit about the other archetypes. Yeah, thank you. I'd love to, Valerie. So this, as I worked with Tree Sisters, it became apparent that this was a really developing into this really feminine journey. And as such, it became a journey of rebirthing, rebirthing ourselves as rewilded women. So Desert Woman presides over the barren worlds. Mm. So this is where we begin. Every journey begins in a way. Harold P. Chris talks about the nothingness that precedes an awakening. So if you imagine you're full of beliefs, ideas, clutter, thoughts, addictions, relationships that aren't going, you know, if you're just full, there's no room for transformation. There's no space. There's no space. 
Yeah. So barren worlds is this invitation to begin to let go. You're not going to let go of everything all at once, but just begin that process of making space for what wants to come. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard for us as women, because oftentimes it means we have to step away from all those things you were talking about of doing and giving everything to everybody. And we have to go inward and into the silence and the solitude, spend mm -hmm. some time with ourselves. So then we're kind of getting in touch with a little bit of the truth. Desert Woman lays bare a lot of truths, <laughs> some of which are easier to see than others, right? We all have that stuff. But so then we want to kind of woo, move on, you know, and oftentimes in our culture, we want to sweep from the first thing and then have enlightenment strike us right away. Uh -huh. But we encounter forest woman and the dark womb. Mm. And she says, no, slow down. This is a place where you are going to go into your dreams, into your somatic knowing, into your feral intuitive self and begin to seed and incubate these new notions and ideas and thoughts and inklings that are coming to you. So it's a deeply introspective part and quite magical part of the journey, but essential that we spend time in the mystery and holding the tension of the unknown, which is really uncomfortable for us in this modern culture where we're supposed to know everything, right? then once we've done that and it's not you know we come back and round again and everything like that but we move towards ocean and river woman where the waters break mm. and there we get into deep connection with our deepest longings you know what is it we desire what are we passionate about where does our energy naturally flow and when we are deeply deeply connected to that place of our passion and our wild wanting, we begin to dismantle those dams that have been holding us back. Mm -hmm. So we don't try and clobber the dams first. What we do is we know that the flow of our energy is greater than anything that holds it back. So that's where we look. And then we move into mountain woman and giving birth. And she really challenges us to live our truth in the world, to manifest. And that can be in the smallest actions, but it's to be in complete integrity, to be completely aligned with our values, to be those bedrock values that hold us up and to live our lives from there and to take action and to actually act now on those dreams and those desires and everything we've been cultivating so far. It's like, so what are you going to do, baby? <laughs> you know, and it doesn't have to be grandiose. It can be the, just the, in the small ways that you approach life, but it is how does it manifest in the world? And then we return always in the heroic journey, in the Shiro's journey, we have the return to community. And Grassland Woman is that beautiful lap that welcomes us home. And if we think about it, human self-reflective consciousness and humanity we stood on two legs in the savannas of Africa and grassland woman is about that sense of really owning our new humanity 
and giving our gifts to the world, the gifts that we've garnered on this journey, our sacred medicine. And that's often the hardest part of the journey because we can be infused. We all know this experience when we've had some kind of epiphany, some aha moment, and we're just full of it. And we ah, we want to tell everybody about it, right? And then we get the kind of blank look. I call it the donut expression because it's like people's eyes glaze Please. over, right? <laughs> it's kind of like, what are you talking about? And that can be a deep kind of soul agony. So it's about that patience of rooting ourselves back in the everydayness of our lives. Now rewilded and determined to hold on to those dreams and visions and ways in which we have shifted and changed and become alive to ourselves in new ways in that everyday space, you know, after the ecstasy, the laundry. And this is really, really can be challenging, but your journey isn't complete unless you can bring my sisters, your sacred medicine back home, then the journey has only been for you. And we can't do journeys like that anymore. Yeah. The world is crying out for us to step up, stand up, speak out. Uh, so we need to do that, even if it's just simply having that conversation that feels dangerous mm -hmm. that is part of this work wow so powerful just hearing the whole arc of the journey and so on one hand it sounds like it is the shiro's journey through from the desert to the grasslands but i also imagine that it's never completely linear in that way. And that even once we feel like we've reached the grasslands and we've brought our medicine back to the community, that we will also continue to day to day, moment to moment, visit these different archetypes. Absolutely. And my recommendation for people who want to engage with them is to take the journey as it is. Though I know <laughs> some women who be reading and saying, I'm sorry, I'm going straight to the forest woman. She's my woman. Skipping I'm the like, desert. Go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so whatever, you know, we are wild women. <laughs> we will find our own way into things. But essentially with archetypes, you contain all of them. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. even though you're, you may have an inclination towards one and even an aversion to others, you, to be whole, you need all of them. Once you know them, there's a way that you can work with them. I have an altar up on my hill up above my house and I go there and I ask myself, which one am I, do I feel is sort of most alive in me at the moment? Mm -hmm. And then when I've ascertained that, the next question is, does that really serve me in this moment? Or do I need to balance? Like if I go, oh God, you know, desert woman is really ruling me right mm -hmm. now. I'm exhausted if I'm down to it. Then I might say to myself, okay, Mary, let's get some water into your life. Let's feel some flow. Mm -hmm. So I, I might move my body in flow to feel watery. I might say to myself, let's drink a little bit more water. I may be lucky enough to go throw myself into the saltwater lagoons nearby. But then I'll know 
So it's, it then becomes a like, where am I? Is this my place right now? Do I want to try and shift it? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Sometimes the mm-hmm. archetype is you're possessed by it. So there are no right or wrongs, but you can begin to very elegantly dance with these different aspects. Mm. Beautiful. So interesting. So at the Gaia Center in my office space, I decided to name each room each therapy room after a different type of landscape. So I have the river, the forest, the mountain lodge. And it's funny because as I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, no wonder I don't have anything like the desert. I have a, (laughs) so I've got like a hobbit hole. I've got an oasis, but I'm like noodling on, "Mm, I might need to transform and create a desert and a prairie. (laughs) Can I say how exciting and wonderful that is to hear? I just find that so brilliantly intuitively right Uh, that's wonderful right and isn't it so funny that I had no knowledge of these archetypes as you've identified and named them they that they feel so true to me and so to some degree because they were already within me I intuited that and now with this invitation with the framing that you put around it I do feel so called to to say, okay, I know I don't like the desert, but I can feel like I went on my first silent retreat this fall. And when people ask about it, as you know, those experiences are often so it's ineffable. It's hard to describe like what was most powerful. But I think what was most powerful for me was I went into the desert, right? Literal lack of stimulation, nothing to do. And so that was something that I had been so disconnected from. And it was such medicine. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, totally does it. And it's interesting because sometimes we really crave that silence and solitude, but the minute we find it, we panic. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's like absolute fear, fear of what or you know uh-huh. being with yourself so crawling you know, out of your skin <laughs> crawling out of your skin which of course is a beautiful metaphor for the butterfly isn't it I mean we have to wow. kind of crawl out of that chrysalis and in order to do that it's not comfortable it's right. so not comfortable yes yes so I am so excited to finish this book and really continue to explore these archetypes for myself I hope that everyone will get a copy of this book and I'll share some of your links in a moment here as we close. But before we do that, I would love for you to share the song of a wild soul woman and give us a little bit of background as far as where this song exists and how we can both listen to it in song version, as well as the words that you'll share with us. I'd be delighted to do that. Can I, I'm going to take a little sip of tea. Sure. (laughs) So this just poured out of me. Hmm. And when I say it poured out of me, it wasn't me (laughs) out of which it poured. Like the best creativity and flow, I just feel it was a collaboration with the feminine aspects of earth. Hmm. And it's women, I, I read it for the Tree Sisters and women sort of took up as a sort of clarion call piece that I'm about to read you. And so women from all different places made these wonderful videos 
of them reading it and just beautiful. So there will be several links, go, go explore them. But I was so honored. And can I say one more thing about the feminine? Yeah. This is how we work together. We share, we collaborate, we take each other's seeds and blow them into the world. You know, we, we, that's, we just have to move from competition to collaboration. We just have to, because this togetherness is so important. Song of a wild soul woman. Women are rising. Wild, windswept, born of ocean, aflame with light, rooted as trees, we are rising. We are rewilding ourselves, emerging from earth, clad in moss and bark. We are unrecognizable except to each other. We move in the shadows of forests and the deep, cool undercurrents of streams. We reach out our arms to the mountains, dare to stand, cracked and dust-walled like deserts. We green ourselves with grasses, root ourselves in moist soil. We are wondrous, we are rising, we are wild. We see each other, feel for each other, hold each other up. Like waves in an ocean, we are a celebration of nature's powers and impulses. We ebb and flow according to our own rhythm. We will not be dictated to. A woman, no longer separate from the flesh of her, becomes her, speaks for her, lifts her throat and sings of flyer below and stars in her hair. We are granite and grandeur, full-fleshed and woven through with wildflowers. We bloom according to our own ways and whims and wants. False things fall down in our presence. We are pregnant with life. A wild soul woman is a woman of belly and breath and boundlessness. She makes her own way through ancient lands with soft footsteps, lays down fresh tracks. Barriers break apart before her. Instinctively, she moves on fin and wing and prayer. She is the echo of a deeper voice that speaks from the fiery cave. She is molten, flowing, shapeshifter. She listens to the wisdom of stone. She is living proof of a language that banishes all sense of loneliness. The earth warms her, welcomes her, enfolds her. She grows tall amid the fields, greets the wind and the grasses, the soft grace of rainbows. She is firewoman and rainwoman and earth and air with plenty to spare. This is not just my song or your song. This is the song of the earth and the song of every wild soul woman. We are wondrous. We are rising. We are wild. Mm. Thank you so much for that. And yes, we will include some links in the show notes to some of the other recordings of this. And tell us what all that you are offering, where people can find you. 
So if people go to my website, maryreynoldsthompson.com, best of all, sign up for my emails. You'll find out everything that there is to know and do about me. I'm beginning a book circle next year, which I'm really excited about so we can go through this together. It really is a book that A Wild Soul Woman is a book that sort of demands circles of reading and sharing. There are lots of practices in it and explorations and rituals and things that we can do together. Um, got workshops in England, do online workshops. So please just come visit me, find out what I'm up to and tell me about yourself. You know, I really want to gather the wild soul women together and uh, together <laughs> we yeah. have stuff to do. <laughs> yes, we do. And for those listening soon after, or when this is airing, it will air in late 2022. You do have an upcoming online workshop in January of 2023 that people can join. And then in the UK in April, 2023, an in-person retreat, which I wish that I could go to if it weren't so far, but someday I'm sure you'll, you'll do a retreat in the US that I can go yeah, to. I will. I will. Thank you so much. This has been so lovely. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you feel moved to share it with someone you think would love it, that would mean so much to me. For show notes, as well as a transcription of this and previous episodes, head over to www.gaiacenter.co. That's G-A-I-A center.co. You can follow us on Instagram at The Gaia Center and follow me at Val K. Martin, V-A-L-K-A-Y Martin. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter. Look for the link on our website where we'll share about groups and events we're offering locally in Nashville, as well as tips and resources from our therapists that we hope will be valuable and relevant wherever you may be listening from. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.